Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, everyone. You have arrived at Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn, and I am here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hi there. And we're going to be chatting all about analysis of fictional people. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn. I'm here with Dr. Adam Stern. Hello, as always. Hello. Today, we're going to delve into what may be a perilous subject for many. I know that personally, my adolescence was was perfect, <laughs> as too. am I. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so funny. What a, right? I mean, what a coincidence. But here we are. But let's talk about Never Have I Ever. If you haven't seen Never Have I Ever, it's Mindy Kaling's, <laughs> I don't know if this is actually true. I think of it as Mindy Kaling's fever dream of what her adolescence could have been. So basically it's the tale of Devi Vishwakumar, who is a dork, dorky, I find her cool, but a dorky, cool teenager in Sherman Oaks, California. And she is struggling with dealing with the recent total unexpected death of her dad and a apparently latent now activated John McEnroe personality. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just go right into it because I want to talk about, first, I'd like to Maybe we could have you, Adam, give a little preface about how I imagine adolescent psychiatry differs from adult psychiatry and psychological analysis, seeing as how they're not really working with a fully developed brain. Right. And, you know, at some level, it's like, are any of us really fully developed? But I, I really hope I'm not. <laughs> Sincerely, I, I keep on hoping for the best. But I appreciate we'll, what you're yeah. saying. You know, a lot of uh, <laughs> my understanding of childhood and adolescent psychiatry is, you know, they're not just slightly smaller adults. You know, they are definitely no. unique and, and come with a whole unique set of challenges. Yes, I live with a few of them. And I can tell you that, no, they're yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Let me start with the two-liner about Davey, because I think that it really, and I'm going to, what I'm going to do is is imagine she gets referred. Now, this is a kind of complicated thing because in the show, she actually does see a therapist. Yes, um, who I love. Who's a great character. But I'm going to do a two-liner as though this is the referral note for that therapist. So this is a uh, young teenager who has uh, most recently unexpectedly lost her father to a sudden heart attack and has lost the use of her legs in a um, somatoform disorder. 
or what used to be called a conversion disorder. And now the terminology is always changing, might be referred to as a functional neurologic disorder. And all of those things, what they mean is that the, the symptoms that seem to be medical are actually, there's no neurologic basis on any of the testing or anything to show that there's a physiologic reason that she can't walk in the show. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, those who have seen the show know that this is revealed when she's like craning her neck, trying to get a look at some of the popular kids and she stands up out of her wheelchair to to do that. And her mother thinks it's a miracle, you know, that she's she's walking again. Um, so that's sort of how the show starts. And that's how the, the referral would would go. This is very obviously framed as a traumatic response to the loss of her father, who was her primary support and is, you know, her her parental dynamic is is shown in the way of like her father was always encouraging, excitable, supportive. And her mother was very, and continues to be very stern, pushing her academically very strict. And one other thing that I've learned about the show from the creator interviews and that kind of thing, not directly from Mindy. It's not like Mindy and I are chatting. When I was chatting with Mindy. Yeah. When, when I, when I was chatting through the magazine that I was reading, Uh she said something along the lines of, you know, that. South Asian family dynamics are very seldom depicted on TV. And she's, she was in the position to be able to make this kind of a show that had realistic elements where most of the characters are people of color and, and from different groups that have not had the spotlight shine on their cultural dynamics for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the really, as a as a guy who's probably been overrepresented in media over the years and continues to be, it it, it was sort of like, I don't know, I, I one of the things that drew me to the show was just how, I don't even have the words, just how informative and useful while being super entertaining it was. It's a great show. It is a great show. It's so much fun. And it's just, it, it, you know, we we've had our shows that we've, covered that are really intense. And that's not to say that there aren't very real emotions at play here, but it's done so in a very, a very palatable and very fun way, just genuinely enjoyable while at the same time, yes, it's rectifying a lot of issues about representation. And by the way, like some casual asides, just, you know, uh, demonizing things that should be demonized like systemic racism and Mm. misogyny and, you know, Mm -hmm. weird body culture around women, et cetera, et cetera. I want to back up. I want to say who is more, is there a particular, uh, I don't want to say category of people, but but I guess what I'm saying is do certain things render you more susceptible psychologically to a psychosomatic disorder mm. than others. I mean, it, it, I, I hadn't really, I hadn't really heard of it manifesting in such a dramatic way as if it's a television show, but I would say that certainly there are times when, you know, you, you feel emotionally not well and that kind of manifests as feeling physically unwell. Right. And so you're, you're sort of drawing a distinction between somatic uh, symptoms of things like depression and anxiety. That's, I mean, what is a panic attack if not a somatic manifestation of mm-hmm. your anxiety, right? But these, these functional neurologic disorders are in a class all by themselves in the sense that they tend to be felt by the person as entirely physical, 
Mm-hmm. There's not, you know, we we there, there's a very uh, common misconception among even loved ones of patients with this disorder that they're faking it or that it's under their control, that they could just snap out of it. None of those things tend to be true. Um, it tends to be the kind of thing that happens, if not suddenly, then, you know, in, in response, sometimes in response to a traumatic event, sometimes just out of the blue in response to multiple factors that are unclear. What are the things that predispose you to developing one of these things, one of these uh, disorders? I can only speak statistically when I answer that question. Mm-hmm. And the answer will, might be somewhat unsatisfying because uh, statistically, the people who have experienced early childhood trauma, a sexual abuse, People who experience medical illness as a young child or younger person, and uh, as an example, there's a subcategory within this conversion disorder, sort of uh, broader category, that is non-epileptic seizures. People who, who look like they're having a seizure, but there's no brain activity on EEG that shows they're having a seizure. Ironically, or or just sort of like comp- in a complicated way, the people who are most likely to experience that are people who actually have seizure disorders. So epilepsy are also likely to develop non-epileptic seizures. So it's it's a very complicated thing where the body, if I can boil it all down to a generalization, the mind is converting, you know, distressed feelings into these physical symptoms, Right. Why this is happening, we do not have a good understanding of. So we know why it's not happening. It's not happening for the same reasons that, you know, Davey couldn't walk on the show when the, sh- when the show first starts. It's not happening because of some, you know, severed nerve. It's happening at the psychological level, which of course exists in the brain. We just don't understand it as well. One analogy that has come up sometimes is it's a difference between a hardware problem and a software problem. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if someone has a severed spinal cord, they might not be able to uh, use their legs. But if they have one of these disorders, it's a software problem. We don't understand why the brain isn't functioning the way it, it, it usually would, but it's not. And so if you treat it in that way, it's a less stigmatized way of, of, uh, approaching it. And that allows me to segue somewhat brilliantly into another point, which is that another, I think, implicit message of the show, I have not been doing your diligent celebrity magazine reading, Mm -hmm. Adam, so I'm sorry if this has not come from the mouth of either Mindy Kaling or Lang Fisher themselves, but I think that the show makes... It's it's sort of interesting because it's making an effort to destigmatize discussions of mental health, you know, in passing, like in one episode, resident hottie Paxton Hall Yoshida has a panic attack and can't uh, take a test. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and th- this is accurately noticed by Davy Appear. You know, it's not like what happened to me. I'm going to the hospital, Mm. everyone, you know, in the hall staring. That being said, I wanted, I really wanted to hear your take the whole time that I was rewatching this, arguably more than once, (laughs) about the fact that the appellation of Crazy Davy, that everyone in the school, so once she gets past her inability to walk, right, and she goes on this adolescent roller coaster of errors of judgment, relationship uh, screw-ups, 
friend troubles, all these things. She is regularly called crazy by by her peers and at one point even her mom. What do you think about that is one question that I have. And another question that I have is to what extent is this like wild bucking bronco of behavior and her recidivism into anger and poor judgment calls, to what extent is that typical and to what extent is that indicative of a deeper issue? Yeah, those are great questions. They remind me of the podcast we recorded most recently about Fleabag because she also Mm. would take whatever the social situation is and the audience is thinking this is the appropriate response and then she would blow it up. Right. And it's right. almost like Davy is the, the teenage version of that. And of course, in adolescence, as you alluded to, adolescence is a time when priorities get shifted in ways that are not really making sense to most grownups or little kids. It's just during adolescence that those priorities sort of shift. And it's so tiring. <laughs> it's so tiring. It's like, I, I just. I just don't understand. Anyway, whatever. This is not my therapy session as we've <laughs> as we've noted earlier. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. But I mean, if we're, you know, I'm going to bring in the Ericksonian stages again. You know, in adolescence, the thing that's like most important is acceptance among your friends. That mm. the friend during that brief period of time in your life, your friends and your friend group and your peers are more important than your family. And this comes out pretty overtly sometimes, even in the therapy sessions on the show, when Davey said, you know, the therapist will say, you really need to process your father's loss. And she'll say, yeah, it's terrible. But right now I'm a teenager and all I want to do is think about boys, you know, is what she says, mm-hmm. uh, right. paraphrasing. So that's sort of real. That struck me as very, very true to life. Right. And also seeing sex as this way to, I mean, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hormones, everything else. But like also as a kind of shortcut into adulthood, Mm -hmm. right? As being like, I'm going to catapult over these feelings. Like somehow, you know, she definitely has the loss of her virginity, like up on this pedestal Mm -hmm. of like, once I do that, you know, like the way that people, I guess, kind of view the Iron Man, you know, or like, like a marathon. Like once I do that, like that's my goal. I'll be golden. Yeah. You know, and, uh... and those of us who've had sex can tell you that very often, in fact, sex, it's not an uncomplicator, (laughs) right? It doesn't actually resolve a lot of things. In fact, it sort of adds an entirely new layers of perilousness and problems. Well, that's very well said. Uh, And some orgasms, whatever. (laughs) I have nothing to add on that subject. (laughs) Very great. Okay. So like, but, but what do you think of, you know, uh, I mean, you, you analogize to Fleabag. I mean, and I think, I think that's definitely, it's, it's an analogy that appeals to me because these are both very strong and determined female characters Mm -hmm. with whom the audience can relate and Mm -hmm. empathize and root for, and we're rooting for them, right? Right. Um, You know, they're not antagonists. These are people that we want to succeed. And Davy is doing her best regularly to undermine herself. And sometimes that's just the usual 
adolescent bad judgment, like what could go wrong if I let everyone in the school think that I had sex with Bax and Hall Yoshida, even though I didn't, or what could go wrong? I apparently have two boyfriends Mm -hmm. and I'm just not going to tell either one of them. And I'm just going to make sure that they're in different rooms at the party that I am hosting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those are just judgment calls that, you know, that, that, uh, that anyone I think who has been a teenager or lives in proximity to teenagers can be like, that is all believable content. Yeah, almost to the point of cliche. Like, I, it's amazing how well the show does with those topics, considering that they're so fundamentally, you know, like well-worn paths. You know, we we all know these from '80s movies. You know, I mean, from <laughs> shows shows that go back decades. Uh, so, but she she makes them, as you're alluding to, she makes the audience root for her. She's so smart. She's so charismatic and funny and also irreverent and just like doesn't follow the path that's laid out in front of her that you just want her to succeed and you want to see how she's going to, you know, try to make, you know, get out of these situations, even though the situations themselves are pretty mundane. But at what point do you say that that I mean, we can call her. So this is where I want to differentiate, right? Mm-hmm. Between our like, uh, we can we can say as a baseline that adolescents, for the most part, are impulsive, right? right? That that adolescents don't necessarily check back. Like maybe it's not the best judgment, right? Do any number of things from like sure. keg, keg stands upside down to you know like. I could list a phone book of, mm-hmm. of things. But to what extent do you say, do you have to look at her, specifically Davy, and say, like, maybe there's a problem here, right? Like, mm. and and what are the warning signs of a problem? And I don't say that to stigmatize. I say that as, like, what are the signs that maybe your person needs help like if it's, um, you know, the, it just seems like in every single episode, there is something that is doing damage out of this impulsivity, not only to herself and to her self-esteem, but to others. Whether you're talking about spontaneously blurting out um, and happening to be true that Anissa has a history of anorexia to muttering under her breath in history class that she hopes that her Jewish classmate would be killed by Nazis. Mm. Like, I mean, at one point are you like, you got a, you got a problem. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Right. And so, as with uh, so much in mental health, it's an issue not of the necessarily the behaviors themselves or the feelings themselves, so much as the impairment that is derived from that, right? So, if someone is has a tendency of sort of talking off the cuff and and saying things that are not well thought out, but people find it charming, then that's no big deal. But if it's causing you to uh, say such inappropriate things that that you end up in, you know, failing out of school, missing your obligations, disrupting your relationships with your best friends, all these things are, especially in a teenage world, sort of signs that impairment may be happening and and they might need to be addressed. So that's, I don't, it, when I heard myself say that, it sounds like a cop out, but it's really a, a matter of sort of outcomes. It's like mm-hmm. what, you know, someone can come into your office and say, this is bothering me, help me, and you can work with them on that. Or they can come into your office and say, you know, the problem isn't that I shout these things out and I have no filter. It's whatever, whatever, whatever. And you can sort of direct them back to the perspective that, you know, those things that you're doing might actually contribute to this unhappiness you're feeling. And here's why I say that. You point to the list of sort of evidence of like the impairment that's been happening. So in in her case, a lot of uh, like the first season is spent, you know, arguing with her two best friends that are presented as sort of like a trio that's been friends forever. Mm -hmm. And she's ostracized because she's prioritized these other things, in in particular Paxton, Holly Sheeta's body, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. (laughs) And so so that's another thing that's refreshing, because I have to say that while I'm I don't really uh, actively support objectifying anyone, I will say that I have sat through my share of films that have objectified sure. the female body and uh, turnabout's fair play. Yeah. And the whole show feels like that to me, especially like the Ben Gross character. Two thoughts about Ben Gross. First is that I can't help but, but sort of do this, <laughs> this overlay of like, if Davy is sort of a, like a loose representation of Mindy Kaling as a teenager, a fantasy of what, you know. Are we maybe, going for BJ Novak? Is of that course, what we're saying? We yeah, can't yeah. not, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's too, it's too sort of obvious. Like maybe they knew that when they were doing the show and maybe they didn't, but I assume they did. And then, and then the second is just that, you know, like as, how do I frame? How do I phrase this? As a, a a former Jewish teenager that you know prioritized scholastic achievement, it's hard to watch, especially in the early days of that show where they're antagonists entirely, and you know it's hard to watch that portrayal of that character and not be sort of grossed out myself. You know, his name is Ben Gross. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, but, but um. I want to talk a little bit about Ben. I actually, uh, full disclosure, harbor some affection for Ben, not only as uh, like a tribesman, you know, like you, both Jewish, high achievers. I actually, whatever we can mention tangentially, that I actually think that perhaps her depiction of Jewish people is the one flaw in her multicultural sensitivity color wheel, because Mm -hmm. I think that often um, Jews are used as Mm punchlines in her work to an extent that I do not believe she would feel comfortable doing with any other group. So 
Mindy, if you're listening, we can talk about it over Panera or whatever, but exactly. like it, it's not really sitting well with this Northeastern Jewish mother, which I'm sure you care about. So I want to talk about Ben because I want to talk about how Ben is really like, he's so driven. He so desperately wants the approval largely of his dad. His mother mm. seems to be yet again, a vaguely anti-Semitic, uh, vaguely misogynistic character, mm-hmm. but he really wants parental approval. But he also, like, he's kind of underneath, like, the very thick layers of asshole. He's, like, a good person. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Yeah. And I think that that's a different version of, like, what Davy experiences as well. Is like, you know, teenage life, it takes a person who's not fully formed, it puts these priorities to them and says, you will do well. I mean, for certain kids, you will do well. You will go to a good college. To go to a good college, you will do these extracurriculars and, mm-hmm. you know, you will get straight A's and you will do all these things. And then that's overlaid on top of the na- the nature of being a teenager, which is like, hey, I need to try to be cool. I need to actually have friends. I need to have a social life, which everything in your body is telling you is like the most important thing. While, you know, so so Ben Gross is, is a character where these things are, one of those things comes much more naturally than the other, right? So he, like Davey, it's very easy for him to fall into the role of high achiever but much less easy for him to thrive socially. And that's something that I think they do very nicely is show that to some extent they're gendered mirror images of each other, I think, and how they want to be cool, but really make all the wrong decisions to make that happen. Hmm. And what about the psychology of, I feel there should be a fanfare before and after his name, Paxton Hall Yoshida, because throughout the show... Right. This is the guy who you'd think has has it all, right? He's he's hot, he's an athlete, he's popular, everyone wants to, you know, hang out with him, be him, have sex with him. But he he frequently he too exhibits this adolescent impulsivity, right? He frequently does things and then kind of like pushes people back. Whether it's this whole little dance that he's done with Davy of like not wanting to be public with Davy at different points, or we learn later that he has a history with various women in school that he like gets close to them, feels awkward, and ghosts them. Right, and I think they they build that upon this shame that he is sort of maybe assumed to have around his sister. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point he sort of accuses Davy of sneaking through their house and she's discovered his sister Rebecca who has Down syndrome. And, you know, there's this sort of keeping people at a distance behavior and it's hard hard not to connect those those two things. When in fact, Davy looks at Rebecca as a full human being and uh, is able to, you know, describe all the ways that she wishes she was more like Rebecca, you know, in her fashion sense, et cetera. So it's a, I think it's a humanizing thing. What's the psychology of it? You know, if only I grew up looking like Paxton Holly Shida, maybe I would uh, have a better answer. The resemblance is uncanny. Well, sure, sure. I think you should own it. Yeah. He's a... I think that that's a mindset that comes from circumstance. 
to a certain degree, if you are a teenager and, and and you happen to be one of the very few teenagers that everyone in the school wants to be close mm-hmm. to, that's got to be its own weird version of celebrity, right? Sure. Um, so if we look at like celebrity behavior and why is it always so strange and maladaptive, it's because it's not normal. It's not sort of easy in its own way to be coveted like that. I know that's, again... Maybe that sounds like a cop out, but it's like, because wouldn't we all have liked to be, you know, the, the most popular kid in school? But I'm sure it, it does changes seem exhausting, I gotta yeah. say. It really does. And I don't know. I think that, I think what's interesting is that I think a large part of the show is about, without being too ABC back to, back to school special, you know, ish about it they have to be yourself, that there's Mm -hmm. no other choice, Mm -hmm. right? You have to be yourself. And it's a question of how hard the journey is to get you to that point where you can embrace who you are, whoever that is, whether Mm -hmm. that's, you know, whether that's the gay, like robotics Mm -hmm. lover or, you know, any number of things, right? right? And, and the flip side of that means that being that person doesn't make you, there's no one size fits all person, right? Yeah. Like the things that make you appealing to some people will, will be a turnoff to others and that's right. okay. I, mean, I think that's one of the reasons this is such a quintessential high school show is that that is one of the driving dilemmas of the show for every character in the show. And you know, that it's how many times have we heard in real life and in shows and popular culture depictions of like a grown up or a young adult saying to a kid, you know, someday this is, you're going to look back at this and it's none of it's going to matter. Like all these things that you think are really important with regard to high school popularity, like the popular kid in high school isn't, you know, it doesn't matter when they're, you know, an adult that they were popular in high school. Nobody cares. You know, I, I think that that idea you know, I think teenagers in general and on the show are blind, totally blind to that idea that being themselves isn't, in fact, a risk, but rather the very thing that's going to help them, you know, uh, have a well-adjusted, uh, you know, young adulthood. I think it, for for a lot of these kids in the show, it's like going off to college is where they'll find themselves, right? Oh, Adam, why'd you have to bring that up? I sorry. As we're recording this, I'm sending my oldest kid to college on Sunday, and uh, yeah, it's uh, ten in the morning, and I haven't cried today yet, so that's all good. My my son makes fun of me. It's yeah, it's a lot, but yes, yes, that's definitely true, and I think that makes sense, right? Because they're not under the wing of their parents and to circle back to Davy, you know, I've often heard it said that with the loss of a parent, that there's a degree of, yes, Mm -hmm. untethering and of course loss and mourning and grief that comes with that, but also a degree of freedom that you're Mm -hmm. no longer constrained by that person's depiction. Of course, now he's like the platonic ideal of a parent because he's like the Paxson Hoyashita of parents, right? Because he's like super hot. He's fun. He's like always smiling or finding something to smile Mm -hmm. about, even in like the darkest times. And he tells, I was about to call her Mm -hmm. Mindy, he tells Davey in a dream, he says, you know, I call you my perfect girl. 
not because you are, you know, some sort of like celestial perfection or that I put you on a pedestal, but because you are perfect mm-hmm. to me, you know, because our relation in within our relationship, like the person who you are being who you are to me, that's right. perfect. I mean, and that's what every kid really right. needs to hear. And that um, ideal father figure that's been lost also sets up her mother as a juxtaposition of like the opposite end of the spectrum of a parental figure who's just sort of like pushing achievement, right? And the the dynamic Mm. that emerges um, between a kid who wants to be themselves in an American culture pushed up against like a traditional values culture. Now, in the time we have left, I want to... I want to circle all the way back to the beginning, if I may. If Davy were on the couch as she is, I would agree with the approach of focusing on, you know, grief uh, uh, processing, right? And and to, mm-hmm. she needs to find better ways to deal with with the loss of her father, of course. Not finding the soul of her a father in a arguably yeah. rabid coyote. That, yes. that moment was was so unexpected when it, yes. I, that was one of the times I laughed the hardest in the show I think. When when after that they all start calling her coyote girl and she's like sort of popular in a funny weird way. Yes. Anyway, so I want to say in addition in conjunction with that, a lot of treatment in therapy around functional neurologic disorders is actually not about the revelation about, you know, uncovering some unconscious conflict, but rather about like maximizing quality of life while your brain sort of works through this this conflict on its own, right? So a lot of it mm. is encourage. It's it's like cognitive behavioral therapy about encouraging you to take baby steps or some small steps, I should say, metaphorical steps in maximizing your your quality of life, doing things that you are capable of doing and expanding that slowly, bit by bit. And it's not what you would think. A lot of people would think they'd go to some Freudian psychiatrist and and realize something about their relationship with their father and that would cure their their ailment. But in fact, it's it's the therapy right. in the modern era is much more devoted toward functional recovery. And the body on its own, this is the good news for you know, certainly anyone out there listening uh, that knows someone with this with this sort of condition, is that the body on its own tends to recover. Most patients a year after their initial functional disorder emergence are are, are meaningfully improved all by itself. So in that period, mm. the work is to sort of uh, lean into the toward that recovery. That sounds like a good recipe for life yeah. generally. I have to agree with yeah, you on that. I like that. If only it was so easy. <sighs> it is not. It is not. Well, I really enjoyed talking about the show. I could talk about the this. This is a fun really. show. So much fun. Yes. And to the point where uh, revealing more neuroses, I do a deep dive into the Instagram of uh, many of the actors and have found out everything from that. Ben Gross recently graduated from USC to that Nalini has a like sort of stan account for Indian fashion designers. Fascinating. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. All right. Till next time, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thanks. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.